Hello. Thank you so much for joining us on another interesting and amazing and solved this time episode of Universal Talks with Harmony and Chaos. In this week's episode, just as promised from the relatable six that we've been talking about in the last episode, a few podcasts, um, sorry, not podcast episodes, but we are a podcast. We are a podcast, just the last few episodes. I've been saying like crazy that we needed to um, delve into an area that we really love. And that is the darker side of things, real life, that happens all of the time. So, we came across the case, well, more like Novian came across the case, and I'm going to basically, like, listen in with you, the audience, because I'm just like, it's another case It was very, very well um, broadcasted, um... As far as I'm aware, we're, I think we're going back to the 60s, and uh, as I've, I'm always joined by my wonderful, loving, honkabaluga of my husband and co-host. Hey folks, it's Novian Matter, and we're doing things different for episode 26, so the recordings and the audio may sound a little different, a little um, oddish quality. That is because we're trying this whole new app that apparently records a phone call. Chaos and I are not in person. Uh, We're still having to record from separate locations, but this time hopefully together. That way we can have an authentic conversation. Just works better for us. Sorry for interrupting. And you can hear my crazy-ass reactions as they come out from when Novian sets the scene and the mood of what's going on for this episode. So we're going to have a two-parter for this story. Basically, if any of you heard about the homicide in Edinburgh, Texas, the episode last week, episode 25, you're going, you heard about Inadelia Benavides and her partner, Mr. Buckleyu, and the horrible fates that they encountered and how it's still unsolved and they're still looking for tips. So if you know anything, get to those, that Crime Stopper number, you know? But and while the lack of evidence. True too. that, true that. Just no evidence whatsoever. So totally disappointed in the PD and the PD day. But while we were doing research for that episode, I came across because I straight up just looked up unsolved mysteries in like the Rio Grande Valley, which is where we live. Um, yeah. I came across another case about a woman a woman victim who also suffered a terrible fate this case has been solved but it's kind of been forgotten about over the years even though it kind of came into light a little but not gonna lie it came into light probably like six to seven years ago people were still in college you know and the people who were there present this didn't occur like in the range of within the 60s this was exactly 1960 and um oh shit it was exactly 1960 okay exactly 1960 damn and um the new decade the new ass decade okay yeah it's kind of fucked up not gonna lie it's fucked up like the people involved in this especially the perpetrator the murderer i 
I just can't believe that this dude got away with it for so long. But, uh, so let me tell you about that. You ready, Kayla? Okay. I'm ready. I am smoldering. I am sweaty in the truck, but this is to give you the audience beautiful quality. So yes, I can't be readier. If you hear me taking water breaks, I, it's because you are sucking me into the story for one, and two, it is hot in this truck, okay? But it's okay. I, I totally love forgot to get water, but yeah. Oh. So, uh, <laughs> okay. Going into it, folks. So, this, I guess, story of this terrible crime starts off with a young woman by the name of Irene Garza. And Irene, uh, she was a school teacher and a beauty queen whose death was the subject of investigation for several decades. And we'll get into more of that. Um, so Irene was last seen alive April 16th, 1960, when she went to confession at a church well, in McAllen, the Texas. after my parents' birthday, sorry. Just, I'm like realizing right now, my mom was born two days after. I mean, two days earlier. Whoa. 1960. That's, that's insane. That's pretty cool. What the heck? Okay, sorry. Yeah. And at my first, mom, when I, I was kind of... Birthday it is. Sorry, sorry. I'm just like, I don't... She has two birthdays for the audience, and I don't know which one's her real one. I think the April one is. But if it is... Yeah, she died two days after. That's true. It's a, it's a very interesting thing with uh, Chaos's mom's birthdays, but we'll get into that in another <laughs> episode. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay, okay. so at first when I kind of read that, I was like, why does it matter that she was going to confession at a church? But it actually has so much to do with this case. Okay. Wait, what? what has to do with the case? In April 1960, she was mm -hmm. last seen alive when she went to confession at a church in McAllen, oh, Texas. Oh, to confession? Yeah. Oh, okay. Was it like a big thing in 1960 to go in Edinburgh? Was it a big thing to go to confession? Or? Well, the thing about Irene is that people described her by her parents and friends saying that she was extremely invested in her faith. And in a letter to a friend that she'd wrote before her death, She'd actually wrote that she found comfort in going into daily mass and communion. And I mean, if that was her thing. Okay. I mean, yeah, it was her thing. I, I guess it plays in in 1960s. You're coming out of this conservative era of the 50s, and the hippie era had not started yet, which was circa 1965. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. And Why it was, did I think the hippies were going on like 1959. Okay, I was wrong. I'm like a whole 10 years early. Okay, continue. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. So, like, faith was a big thing back then. You know, the whole baby boomer generation is kind of like, I don't know, so a good amount of them are religious nuts. Not all of them, but that's just my opinion. But back then, it was still conservative. Women were dressing conservatively. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's... Uh, it was... Edinburgh, Texas in 1960? Okay. I well, also, us yeah. being from here in the Valley Chaos, you have to say that religion is kind of just thrown in your face everywhere. There's literally churches yeah. and sanctuarios everywhere, like... You can find it in every 
nook and cranny. Every freaking corner. Yeah, yeah, especially, you know, Christian churches and Catholic churches reign over here. It's crazy. Yeah, well, but back then, it was just Catholic. It wasn't, I don't think Christian was, like, huge. Well, that, that's I true. Think it was Catholic. Especially in Mexican culture, which is dominant down here. Catholic. Don't, don't quote me. No, no, I, this is just our opinion, folks. We're not no, enforcing yeah. it or Don't saying it's me, true. But based on when I grew up, like Christian churches weren't even a thing in my childhood until like freaking I was a teenager. Then I was like Christian Palooza, and it was like, gee. It's it's kind of funny because I had the best of both worlds. My mom took me to a Catholic church, but then my dad would take me to a Christian church, and I was always like. I yeah, hate both these Edinburgh. places. You were from Edinburgh, that's why. Oh, okay, McCallum, whatever. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. going back to a grim part now. So okay, she was a confession. She just did her damn thing. I yeah. Mean, okay. Her body was discovered in a canal on April 21st. What? A canal? So five days later, if my math is correct, her body was discovered. And... 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. 21. That's the 21st. Yeah. So, of course, her family wanted an autopsy done, and it showed on the autopsy that before her death, um, she was sexually assaulted while she was unconscious. Ew. And that... While she was unconscious? Ew. Yes. And the cause of her death was suffocation. Like, I guess, strangled or... I don't know, a bag over her head at this point? I don't know, man. Like... The point is that this woman's final moments in this world were brutal, unnecessary, and she didn't get justice for a long time. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. Okay, how, I must have missed it. How old was she? Um, so she was born in 1934 in McAllen, Texas. <laughs> so yeah, about... What, 44, 54, um, like, she was 26. Holy shit, she was like our age. She was our age? Oh my gosh, that's scary. I just got chills. I just got chills. We're 26. She was born in McAllen. I was born in McAllen. It's creepy. And she died two days after my mom was born. That is just creepier. But then again, my mom was born, like, on the other side of the planet. True. Okay. Okay, well, let, let's 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 learn a little bit more about Irene for the okay. the audience. So okay. she was born in McAllen, Texas, in 1934. In high school, she was actually the first Latina to become a twirler or head drum majorette. You go, girl! Wow. Um, she also got to be homecoming queen in college. So she was very oh, light. They cook it till college, but yeah, still. I mean. She seemed like just a nice person. She was very liked. Um, she was very devoted to, I guess, what she put her mind to. Because, fuck, she's the first Latina to, to get a head drum major ed. Like, that's awesome. To get any kind of title. Women in empowerment. In, what, 1944, I guess? Or 1940s? Well, Maybe. not just that. In the 1960s sexism was still so dominant in the U.S. Like, it's not really into yeah. our generation right now that people are fighting back against the unfair treatment towards women. 
And even then, and it's still a so taboo. Woman in the valley of all places, yeah, in 1960, like that, that has some heaviness to it, yeah. Yeah. So close to the date of her death, she was actually an amazing second grade teacher who wanted to help students on the south side of McAllen, where she's originally on from. South side? And, yeah, basically, like, I guess in 1960, in that side of McAllen, it was a little uh, lower income. There was a little bit more crime. School, like, teaching wasn't that great. Apparently, she had actually moved a little bit north because her parents owned a laundry business. And when their business got better, they were able to move to North McAllen. Wow, you own the lavanderia? Yeah, and she actually went to Mack High, so... Yeah. She went to Mack High, no way. Yeah. What? I think they're that bulldogs, is... right? Bulldogs? Yeah, they're bulldogs. So, yeah. I wouldn't know because I didn't go there, but I know that they're bulldogs. True that. <laughs> so, friends say that before her disappearance, that she felt extremely motivated and believed in her work with her students. And that, I don't know. For me, that's just like, okay, she obviously had a passion for teaching and that's really fucking rare nowadays because at least in our high school, the teachers like openly didn't give a fuck. Yeah. I will they never don't. forget yeah. how I was late to class like for five days in a row because for some reason my bladder was just acting out and I was like, it was only before this period too. And I was like, my body is like being trained to pee at this time. I don't like it. But it caused me to be late to my eighth period class, which is my last class of the day. And my teacher literally told me, just because of this, I had a passing grade and everything, but just because I was late, that I was going to end up a bum and no one would give a shit about me. And I don't know about anyone else, but that type of teaching, it's not encouraging. It's not, it doesn't help the students, dude. It made me want to go to that class less. I was like, wow, fuck this class. I think I even skipped it a couple times after. And yes, that was my decision. But me, a teenager, still in the period of heavy influence, even though teenagers don't want to admit they're heavily influenced, I can acknowledge now that I'm older, at least for myself, that really did take a number on me. And so for her to be someone who really actually cared about teaching and helping these students do better... Like, that's fucking awesome, man. This sounds like an amazing woman, and she has so much left in her life. Fucking literally taking on the world. Literally, Literally. she was like, "Man, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to be ahead of my time. And y'all just need to move, move out of my way. I'm coming hard at these second graders. They will learn. Fuck yeah. Because I care. That's that was her. Hell yeah. So, basically, April 16th, 1960, her parents didn't really think anything different because she was so devoted to her faith that she told them that she was going to head out to confession to the Sacred Heart Church in McAllen. And um, it's kind of weird because I I actually know where that church is. And yeah, I pass by it all the time. That's insane. So... Right next to, like, a stripe, I think. Get this. Get this bullshit. Because times were conservative back then, obviously, Irene dressed in a manner that made sure to cover herself very well. But it was also said by many that Irene was extremely beautiful and would get many stares from men. 
And I'm just going to say this. I just want to discuss this real quick. About how ridiculous it is that women cannot be comfortable going for a fucking walk without worrying about attracting the attention even though she's doing absolutely nothing wrong and it needs to be acknowledged more that it's the fucking pervert man who can't keep his lustful eyes to himself and be respectful's fault like and she was going to confession like what i am so she has to like cover herself that's crazy that's crazy i know dude like no, first of all, I cannot, I still hate it nowadays, today, modern time, 2021. I absolutely yeah. hate when I hear she was asking for it because she was stressed like that. Fuck you. Fuck your yeah, well, misogyny. My like, oh my God. <sighs> this is literally, we're living in a, hypoc- like, a hypocrisy of a world built on like the beliefs of men and it's so fucking stupid anyway church staff that were there recall seeing Irene enter the church that evening and during this time she was living with her parents so when she didn't return that evening they actually had just assumed that she stayed for midnight mass which she'd done in the past first of all I didn't even know there was such a thing as midnight mass Reported 
an overview of a 57-year-old murder case. Now remember, this is being reported in 2017. Nearly six decades later, investigators made an arrest. A few pieces of evidence that were found at the crime scene, including an Eastman Coda Slide viewer, which to be honest, when I looked it up, just looked like this little funky gadget from the 1960s. Um, not sure what the fuck it is. I, it's like for viewing photos. I don't know. It's so weird. Oh, okay. But this piece of evidence was later able to be traced to a young priest named Father John Fate. And John Fate? Okay. Some of the court records for this case are still sealed. I believe maybe and this is just complete speculation that this is to protect John Fate or maybe Wait, he's the a church murderer? he's what he, he's like the suspect in this case or so father John Fate became a suspect and according to investigators claim was always a suspect but he was the one they arrested yes are you serious? A priest? A priest? John motherfucking fate? The priest? I need Did to it? go a little bit into the details of this man, but hang on. We're not there yet. 2017? Okay, I'm sorry. Just it, it, It's cool. It's cool. I know. I know. It's... It's weird. It's... Are you disturbing. What the fuck? Uh, yeah. Literally the, can't the trust anyone. <laughs> So, okay, that's from News Channel 5, from CBS News, which this is kind of um, not the CBS local Channel 4 news for us, but nationwide CBS News. Um, So, Fate, who was 27 at the time, admitted to police that he had actually heard Irene's confession in the rectory the night that she disappeared. The fuck is the rectory? That sounds like... An asshole. Well, at the time, face-to-face confessions were considered really unusual, which is what the rectory provided. So, he apparently led her to the rectory to get her confession. That was reported by another priest who saw them, saying that he found it unusual, but when he asked Fate, Fate told that other priest that he was taking her to have a confession, that uh, she wanted more privacy. Wait, what the hell? Wait, wait, wait. Whoa, whoa. Okay. I thought... See, I got it confused. He took her to this rectory to, in, like, look at her straight in the face and say, tell me your sins? Kind of. Let me explain a little bit where the rectory is. Well, basically, yeah, I guess. So, a rectory is apparently something that is sometimes located near or on church grounds, and it's an area for, like the priests or other staff to go into that sometimes has beds where they can sleep, like, I guess. It's like their own little, like, dormitory, I guess. So he was taking her back to his place. What the fuck? Yeah. So, John Fate, the police basically asked the public for help in identifying the owner of this coda slide, right? And John Fate sent a letter to the police telling them it was his. And investigators basically said that they had already had an interest in Fate 
after they learned of an attack on another woman in a church in Edinburgh, which is a town over from McAllen. What so, the fuck? Yeah. And for that attack, the woman said her attacker looked like a priest. Fate was picked in a lineup of other men by this woman named Maria Guerra, the woman who was sur- who survived the Edinburgh attack, as uh-huh. the man who attacked her. Yeah, uh-huh. This is the part that really pisses me off. After what? the jury could not come to a conclusion with the trial, Wait, fate... What? Yeah, I know. Fate was given a lesser charge of aggravated assault assault and find five hundred dollars and he got to walk. No what the it's because he was a priest and he was white, no offense, but he was white and it was nineteen sixty. Yeah, I'm Where pretty sure there was people who were like, There's no Where way a priest can do this and I'm pretty sure What? trial where did it take place was it there local or did it take place upper texas you know it didn't say but i have a feeling it may have been local Dude. so of course That's there's bias insane. already yeah what but you you would think that it would be like in favor of maria guerra but it wasn't it was in favor of him because they were like oh my god he's a priest like what's wrong with you it's like oh my god Bitch, no. Like, you're not seeing what's going on after hours. Yeah, like, honestly, I think it's because they couldn't believe a priest could do something like that. And also because, like, there's so much more to it. And I'm, d- I'm not going to go into detail like, just die. yet, but I'm okay. going to say he was kind of being protected by the church. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm just going to say that, phone. put that out there. And, you know, if anyone reads about cases that involve priests or the church, it's not the first time we hear that a fucking church is covering for their priests. Like, like I don't know, that fucking orphanage going on, that Catholic orphanage in New York back in, like, was it the 70s? Where even the nuns were being raped by the priests. And it was all going on underground. It was, it was, it's disgusting. What like, I don't know. I, I don't see how that's godly. I don't see how that's holy. And anyone who backs that shit up, what the fuck is wrong with you? Oh my yeah. God. The, if those men are really supposed to be men of God or folks of God, like, I don't see it. The, at least the God that they claim to preach about. I, I mean, I don't know. I thought they weren't supposed to indulge in any sex at all. No. When they take their vows. I don't think they're supposed to either. <laughs> well, I mean, I know that there's priests that can get married. I apologize. I know that but there's... back in the day, I'm just thinking, like, I thought you weren't supposed to engage in this at all. I mean, um, I don't know. I kind of always thought that it was bullshit that priests could have wives but nuns couldn't that they had to marry God and devote themselves only to God. Because I was kind of like, okay, so the priest can go and fuck a woman, but God forbid this woman maybe makes love to a man she's in love with and suddenly she's not holy enough for God. Like, fuck off. I mean, this episode's not about religion, but just, oh gosh, I could go on. That's just my opinion though, folks. Anyway, 
he walked ridiculously. And as for the case for Irene Garza, it eventually went cold and the case faded from headlines. Oh my gosh. And fate ended up transferring between various monasteries uh, up until, it wasn't until actually 2002 that the McCallum police chief decided to reopen the case for Irene Garza's unsolved murder. 2002, the same year that our other, like, that, that Benavides and, and Buckle You, what? What? Correct. That's just weird. That's, what a coincidence. But also, like, we're 1960, 70, 80, 90, 2000, like, we're 40 years later. We're 40 years later. Where the hell is this priest? Like... I guess, man, I guess, okay, and then, I mean, at least they tried, I guess, sure. I mean, I guess, yeah, so, I don't know, just, it kind of, like, goes into some craziness, so at the time, before this had, this, like, case had disappeared from headlines, um, so law enforcement had questioned about 500 people across several Texas cities, including known sex offenders, Irene's family members, co-workers, ex-boyfriends. Oh my god. They carried out polygraph examinations. They offered a reward for information about her death, which was $2,500 and was actually larger than any amount of money previously offered in the RGV, like murder case. So, stuff was being they like record broken here, you know. Wait, what? But this was in 2002, or this had been like all throughout. Well, this, this was back finally... in 1960, in the initial oh, okay. investigation. Oh, so 2,500 was like 2,002 million or something like that back in the day. Yeah. It went far. It went really far. Okay. Wow. So they cracked open the whole shebang for Irene. Barza in 1960, but well, nobody came forward. Get this, they actually can kind of like they. I can't talk right now. I'm so riled up. They actually conducted a polygraph test on John Fate, and yeah. at the time, they said that he actually passed the tests, which kind of just they shows right there how shit polygraph. those devices are. But then later know. said his results were inconclusive. To me, honestly, that kind of mean. I feel like they're just trying to cover their tracks that they may have yeah, fucked up. Like, well, you, of course, you're gonna say after the fact. Oh, you know, we did. Like, you know, we completely believed that he was that the, we couldn't submit them for pass, and it's like they were actually inconclusive. It's like, what? Why didn't you put that in the original report, person? No shit. So. They had initially denied hearing her confession that night in the rectory, but then he later, like, changed his, like, answer to, oh, yeah, I, I did actually hear her confession. Wow. Uh, that was already a red flag to investigators, obviously. Yeah. Um, aside from the evidence they found. And then um, he accounted for his absence from the actual church sanctuary to the other staff, apparently, by explaining that, like, he broke his glasses or something, 
because he often played with his glasses nervously when he listened to confessions. So he said that he had to drive back to the pastoral house to get another pair of glasses. And when he arrived, he had no key. So he had to climb into the house on the second floor. And that was apparently how he sustained scratches and bruises that were on his hands. I know, right? Obvious defense wounds. Anyone here who watches, uh, like, cop shows or any of these detective shows, our alarms are going off, right? And we're just like, how can you not see the obviousness, police? But, of course, they're like, we have to conduct an actual investigation. This was McAllen PD? Yeah, they needed proof, I guess. But it's like, I really hate the system because... Until you can get definitive proof, even though there's other proof, in my opinion, that is actually way better proof than a lot of the shit they require. Like, I don't know. Oh, I she just... was a record-breaking person, and she ends up in a fucking canal, and then they're just over here questioning her? Like, now she has to be the first record-breaking victim? What is wrong with this? Oh, 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 oh. Because he was a priest, it's like, your story makes literally no sense literally no sense priest i don't care what badge i don't care what you're wearing you are not a man of god because you're over there like lying through your teeth and you're also freaking like hurting freaking women what the i know i know it, it it's a lot and there's actually more about john fate that i could go into but i'm gonna save that for the okay. second part of this episode. It's, there's a lot, folks. And it, it's just going to get you angrier. But now that we've gotten a little bit into, I guess, just the gist of what this case is about. And the terribleness that was ha- like had to be lived by Irene because of this piece of shit man... How long was she in the canal? You know, I haven't been able to find anything that says how long she was in the canal. Just that on April 18th, which was like three days before her body was found, a trail of evidence uh, stretching several hundred yards down a McAllen Road apparently started appearing, which was a passerby found uh, Irene's purse her left shoe and her lace veil and um, I don't know it, it just I don't know how long in terms she of how long she was alive or how long she, she was dead it, did, it doesn't say I don't really want to think about this guy having her for longer than a night honestly or at all but um if he I sounds can... like a squirmy, ugly dude. He sounds just like he can suck my rancid hairy tomatoes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just, if you folks in the audience want to go, just Google John Fate, spelled F-E-I-T. I could totally be pronouncing it wrong, but I don't care. I don't really is care about getting him. Is there a photo of this guy? We should post yeah, it on he, there is. there is a photo, and you want to know the scary thing is, in his eyes, you can totally tell there's something disturbing there, but... 
just an overall outward appearance. He just looks like a scrawny young priest. We wouldn't even think he's harmful, but it, it's it's kind of crazy. Look up, this guy. look up the dude. He's an ugly motherfucker. And what's his? It's John. How do you spell it? John F E I T. John Fate. And there's even a picture of him when he's older, when he actually attended the trial for Irene. And there you would think, oh, what a helpless little man. But then you read about the just him, and it's like, oh, wow. Oh, oh, oh. He's just, he's just this, like, he's just like, I don't know how to describe it. You, you folks need to go see him. He is just like, I'm gonna, I'm looking at the older photo, like, I just, he looks like he's really trying hard to gain your trust. Like, he looks like one of those guys, like, oh yeah, I could just gain your trust. Like, I, I'm a trustworthy dude. Like, you can trust me with anything. And then he just, like, backstabs you in the back or in the heart or right in your face once behind closed doors. Like, the butthole that he is. Poor me. Butthole that he is. Oh. I would but like, yeah, yeah. You can see it in his eyes. You can totally see in his eyes that there's some, like, fucked up shit going on in that brain. I would like to think that, like, you know, nowadays there's so many movies about people who just, you know, scary movies or psychological thrillers and about people you wouldn't even expect being killers or on TV shows. So nowadays, I don't really trust anyone, you know? I don't care if they're a priest. I don't even care if they're a cop. I, I don't trust anyone. But back you then, can. this can. wasn't a thing so much. So, like, the fact that, sh- you know... The other priest didn't think anything of it, even though they thought it was weird that he was leading her away, and that she didn't think anything weird of it, and she went along with it, like, kind of shows a little how religion was obviously taken maybe more serious back then. It dominated, and, you know, this whole, like, stuff was beginning to become unsafe thing. It wasn't that much so back then. You don't hear about... to like let her guard down. She is supposed to trust this person and she's supposed to let her guard down. We are force fed, especially in that day and age, from exactly. birth and to trust this type of person. I don't know if anyone else has taken it into account either, but she's going there to confess, which means she's got guilt in her heart. She's got something heavy on her mind. She wants to get it out. And he could have used that against her. Exactly. She could have been feeling depressed or down. We don't know how she was feeling. It doesn't go into help her personally, just circumstances. But put yourself in your shoes. In her shoes, I guess. You're you're going to confession. You've got something on your mind. You're not feeling that great. Maybe something's weighing you down. You're not seeing these red flags or and maybe this priest is coming to you and is just like, you know, hello uh, daughter or Miha. I don't know how to fucking talk and just mm-hmm. how can I help you let let me help you make you feel better do you want to go somewhere more private let's talk over here in private I'll hear you you know and if you're just wanting someone to listen which is basically what confession is you're not thinking danger alert or are these red flags maybe maybe you're kind of just like um okay I guess but also she's probably thinking well this is a priest this is a church that I come to every day. 
Yeah. And probably confessed to more than one occasion. And he's an authority figure to her. Exactly. So, I don't know, just me putting myself in that position, in those feelings of what I can only begin to theorize what she might have been feeling or how she was based on my own experiences, I'm not really looking for that especially yeah like you're saying she's going somewhere to be vulnerable she purposely let her guard down yeah like she's not gonna question him at the beginning the she's whole, not gonna question the whole thing exactly. until like common sense does not hit you like at, especially the way that we're like brought up again I say like and then back in the day like we're kind of like don't ask questions, you just listen type of stuff. And then it's like, this is where it literally failed her because if she has asked questions or been on alert or been provided any kind of remote education on this, like this would probably have gone a way different way because he's a smarty motherfucker. Yeah, and you know, I hear it all the time. I hear people from that time, the older folks now saying, Oh, it didn't used to always be like it is today. You could leave your doors unlocked. Kids could go play in the streets. And, you know, part of me is like, has it always just been there? And it was being, you know, covered up the way John Fate was by the church? Or was is crime actually rising? You know, because people are... I hear people saying that racism wasn't so, as big as it was now. And I'm just like... Because we're fighting the whole, Yeah, and I'm just like, I think it's just more talked about now because the Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter movement or Asian Lives Matter, Indigenous Lives whatever, you know, like just minorities matter also. People and matter. And camera. Not like... Camera. Yeah, out that now. too. Like, it's hard to get away with stuff now. You're literally seeing lawyers on TikTok saying, when cops are telling you you can't record, as long as you're on public property and you're not interfering with the case, you can record. And if they arrest mm-hmm. you and say that you're messing with the case, well, you just got, you know, a wrongful arrest. And it's because of stuff like that now where people are, are there's more forms of communication too. A lawyer is telling people, yes, you can definitely record that cop as long as you're, you know, doing everything right. Stuff like that didn't exist back then. Authorities yeah. were looked up to way more back then. Police also mm-hmm. had a bigger presence too. Like if a cop told you like back then, hey, uh, you can't be here. People probably scattered. I don't know. And more importantly, it was a lot easier to ignore all of these occurrences that were going are weird things. They were just eccentric people that people of authority or that's just an eccentric priest, you know, it's like, or like, oh, he just does things like his way or don't question it. Do you have any experience about it? Like Irene type of stuff, like So, of course, she's just thinking, okay, well, this is just what a priest does. Like, she doesn't know any better. And she's literally like a lamb heading straight into the lion's den, not knowing any better at all. Because she's just like, oh, yeah, this is just normal. Oh, yeah, this is just what happens. This is just what Father uh, John does sometimes. Or Priest John Fate uh, does sometimes. Yeah. This happens. And, you know, I don't really know if... This man is considered a psychopath, but in my opinion, yes and no. He could be a socio, but the the lack of empathy he displayed at the trial when he described the things he did to her as well just tells me he's not really apologetic. He, it didn't weigh on his mind forever. He went on with life. 
he even no. fucking got married later on and had kids and he even Ew. left priesthood. But again, we'll get wow. into that for a, a whole other episode. And okay, so so here we are. We're at the re- re- rectory. The re- the rectory. Jesus, this freaking name. We're at the rectory. She made her confession, and it's not provided in the autopsy. Maybe how many hours she has been like gone? It's 1960, and then she's discovered April 21st. 1960 in a canal canal. and I will also say she was fully clothed in the canal except she was missing um, her lace veil she was missing her underwear and it appeared as if her blouse had been unbuttoned but oh my gosh yeah she uh, she was on with that and the investigators as of 20 I believe 15 or 17 had arrested John Fate and it's just the can of worms opens and it, it's infuriating but yeah she lost her whole life but yeah. we're gonna get into that in the second episode yes so folks right. if you enjoyed what you heard here be sure and join us next week for episode 27 thank you for I joining us one way to, like that I might have to wait because like even though because we have we ran out of time but i'm also just like geez man you left you left us you left me in uh i'm gonna be thinking about this and bothering the hell out of you honestly for the <laughs> sake of editing i'm cutting it short <laughs> okay it could take long but yeah we are human yes so if you have any comments questions or want to discuss with us anything about this episode the last or any other episodes get at us on facebook.com slash utwhac or utwhack find us we just made an instagram for the podcast called the utwhack podcast utwhac podcast all together or find us individually at instagram.com slash absolute chaos spelled c-a-o-s or instagram.com slash novian matter and uh to be honest folks i tried making a patreon I don't quite know how that works. And also it like offers like special perks um, for people who donate on Patreon. And we don't really have anything to offer quite yet. <laughs> so um, not making a Patreon or still figuring that out. If any of you folks have any suggestions, though, please reach out to me or Chaos. That way we can uh, figure something out for donations because we really want to keep bringing you episodes of the show we love recording the show and the podcast and just being able to talk and get out these opinions or topics that not many people you know talk about or at least people that we've met but to be able to reach other like-minded people who enjoy the episodes or shows it really means a lot to us and those fans that have been with us since episode one we see you thank you we love you Thank and, you, um, you know, for the, your support on Instagram, too. Yeah. We noticed that. We noticed. Thank you so much. And uh, just if you want to donate to us to help us keep the show going, uh, we were able to make a cash app handle, which is that money sign and U-T-W-H-A-C. Just thought whack. Any donations are appreciated. And we kind of try to keep bringing you the show, folks. And we love you even if you can't. But what I want to add is if you can leave us a review 
or maybe refer us if you do like what we're bringing to the table and maybe um um you can um support us on our social media jesus my brain fart sorry people but <laughs> um you can support us on our social medias to maybe get a bigger platform and then we can make money off there so that we can try any outlet to keep bringing you the show because we're trying to upgrade our stuff to bring you better immersive quality show like stuff basically show stuff yeah okay so and uh we're just we love you either way and it goes a long way and if you're a small business that is looking for some ad space at an affordable rate and like if you are have been oppressed or you're not getting much attention out there we want to give you attention the bigger corporations they don't want us but you know what we equally do not want them because they don't want us so if you're a smaller business and you're trying to grow or you're trying to get some ad space look us up hey you know we got some listeners and we just want to support all around hell yeah bitch hit us up Mm -hmm. all right (laughs) (laughs) i did it i don't know i just i tried to be a cheerleader here okay thank you all right well this is Novian Matter, hoping that all you folks have a balanced week and join us next week for the second part of Irene Garza's case. And thanks so much for joining us. This is Novian Matter signing out. And this is Absolute Chaos signing out as well. For some fucking reason, it was that way, anyways. Okay, well, adios. Ah.